Hey guys, welcome back. Season one, episode seven, we believe, Ecuador Insider Podcast. We've got a controversial topic and show for you today. Do this, we ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is the conspiracy theory episode. And we debated whether to put this out or not, honestly, um, because we felt like we might turn some people off talking about these subjects. But ultimately we decided to do it. And the reason we decided to do it is because for some percentage, whatever that percentage is, but for some percentage of people who are looking at Ecuador, looking at overseas living, they have reasons they're leaving where they live also. And some of those things bleed into so-called conspiracy theories. And so we wanna cover these topics. This is not necessarily all our personal beliefs, um, but there is, you know, there is some amount of foreigners in Ecuador who care about these things. There's certainly people who are looking at Ecuador who may care about these things. If you're watching this and this is all tinfoil hat stuff to you, you know, turn it off. It's, it's probably not, not your episode. If you're someone who really cares about, you know, vaccines and fluoride and chemtrails and these sorts of topics, you're gonna love this show. We're gonna give you as, as broad and honest and complete a picture as we can. Um, and you know, there's a couple of things I wanna mention just before we get going as well. Ultimately, if you're someone who believes in these things, there really isn't a place in the world that you're gonna be able to go to get away from all this stuff. Um, that's just, I think, a fact. Um, Ecuador, I think, is decent on a lot of it, and I think is an improvement on, on a lot of it, oh, yeah. but there isn't anywhere, you, there isn't a magic button for this stuff, it's all global. Again, if you believe in this stuff, it's all global. Um, and then the other thing I wanna to mention too is that there's, there's something I love about Ecuador um, as it relates sort of to this subject, which is that people here have power. So when the government does crazy stuff in the States, there's nothing anyone can do about it. When the government does crazy stuff here, people rise up and are like, no, and they make, and they actually stop it. Um, that's nice. Guys, before we jump in, you guys wanna, do you guys have a, any preference <laughs> stuff you wanna add? I would say having, living, having lived here 10 years, um, the majority of people in Vilcabamba are people that are questioning uh, the mainstream media, that are questioning, um, yeah, the state of the world, and that believe in these things. So just, you know, a little heads up, if you're planning on coming here, you might see a lot of those kinds of beliefs uh, here in Vilcabamba, at sure. least. Sure, and then, you know, Vilcabamba in general, right, is the conspiracy theory capital of the world. <laughs> Some <laughs> people think that. they. They really have this uh, perception of Vilcabamba. It's like, aren't there just a bunch of nut jobs there in Vilcabamba with a bunch of crazy stuff, you know? And we're like, no, not everybody. No. Uh, we've, you know, ran into people who want to talk about these kinds of things and you don't even know them and they're just going right into it. Like, wow, okay, this is happening. And then there are other people you bring things up to and they have no clue what you're talking about. So there is definitely a mix of people in our area uh, who believe in some of this stuff and others who could care less and just want a peaceful, quiet place to raise their family and get out of the rat race uh, of other countries. So yeah, and, and while some of these topics are fairly common, I would agree, in Vilcabamba, they're also, it's, they're not necessarily points of controversy. There's not, you know, if people yeah. don't want to talk about it, they're not. It's not like everyone's always talking about these things. Not at all. It's, it's in general, it's a very normal place to live. But yes, a lot of people do have alternative beliefs, alternative theories about the world and, and things like that. So 
All right, enough preface. Go ahead, turn it off now if you... No, I'm just kidding. Enough preface. So again, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for being with us. Topic number one, chemtrails, geoengineering. Um, so this is an interesting topic. Um, a lot of people around the world believe that airplanes are geoengineering our skies. Whatever people think the reasons are, and there's a million you know, different theories about it, but basically that airplanes are spraying particulate matter for whatever their purposes are. And it seems to be global for people who believe that. And so in Ecuador, compared to the US, there is much less of that. Um, where we live, you essentially do not see airplanes spraying um, ever. I think in my eight years here, I might have seen it like two or three times, an airplane actually like. Yeah, well, I actually look for them and I've seen them in my three and a half years, maybe uh, five to seven times right in there. I, I can't count and I take videos of them. And I'll tell you what, it's just a single line or two lines, right? So this is way better than those of you who live in areas where you see the crisscrossing and you, you observe it over a period of two hours and the crisscrossing turns out to be a blanket of gray over your skies, right? Was a blue day, now crisscross, now uh, blanket of gray. We don't get that here over Vilcabamba in southern Ecuador in the mountains. So it's really a blessing. Uh, blue skies are truly blue here. Yeah. Uh, but when you go to the coast, like I just came back recently from the coast, you do see a little bit more of the gray. So there's something with the Pacific Ocean. Maybe there's uh, no restrictions on what you can do in the Pacific Ocean. So uh, governments can employ their planes, deploy, employ, deploy their planes over the Pacific and and just have a heyday spraying over the ocean for some unknown reason. Yeah, I mean, and as simple as the fact that there's very little air traffic here in Vilcabamba, you won't see many planes in the sky in general, so yeah. therefore less lines in the sky. It's true, like if they wanted to geoengineer this area a lot, they would have a hard time justifying yeah. where those planes are coming from as you don't see airplanes here essentially ever. Um, so yeah, and I agree, the coast seems to be, there seems to be some of it more so on the coast, but um, I would say from where I lived in the Northeast US, it's like a 98% improvement. Um, yeah, versus... from the Northwest, I would say, you know, 93% improvement, so yeah. <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the ballpark. And I do observe the weather patterns here, and I will say um, in and around a major shift in a weather pattern, from you know rain every day to uh, no rain, there's there's usually some type of gray, super gray like that moves in over the area, and then a big weather pattern shift. So I'm not sure, you know, where that comes from, but that does happen from time to time here. Uh, again, we're just not seeing the the crisscrossing skies here. So if you want to get away from something like that, this would be a great region to move to. Topic number two. Fluoride. Um, this is a good one. People, you know, in the U.S., they put fluoride in pretty much all of the municipal or town, city water systems. Um, in many parts of the world, they fluoridate the water. I was very disappointed <laughs> when I got to Ecuador. And of course, dentists tell you it's for your teeth. Maybe it is. I don't know. But um, I was definitely disappointed. It's you know, it is a chemical. It's something I had researched and was not interested in drinking. Um, and when I got to Ecuador, I was very disappointed to find out that they put fluoride in the salt. Um, so you can certainly buy 
salt that is sea salt or mine salt. There's lots of beautiful salts you can buy that are not fluoridated, but if you buy the normal store brand table salt, it does have fluoride in it. Um, it says that as well. It's not something they're hiding. Um, in fact, they, they market it uh, sort of like in the States uh, in the water, they market it here. And in fact, funny, funny sort of anecdote. I've asked a number of Ecuadorians because it was surprising to me because back home they tell you it's for your teeth, but here it's in the salt. So I was wondering, you know, what do they say that it's for here? And apparently it's for your throat. Uh, they, they, I've been told that by multiple Ecuadorians that something with your throat, that if you don't get the fluoride, you're gonna have a problem with your throat. So they care about okay. the health of your throat here. So. I think it's the iodine. Usually that's for the thyroid gland, but oh. maybe the locals are just confused or could be, or I was confused. Yeah, who knows? Well, one thing I was told by a restaurant owner is that the Ministry of Health, when they inspect the restaurants, they want to make sure that you have the fluoridated salt yep. and that you use that for cooking. Nice. So again, you know, a global phenomenon, right? Like this is, you know, this is everywhere, um, but at least not in the water. And so, yeah, you can make the decision how much you want to eat out. Um, and, and in Vilcabamba, a lot of the restaurants do not use the fluoridated right. salt, salt because people care about that. In the rest of the country, almost probably mo almost all the restaurants would. Right. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right, topic number three, GMOs. Um, this is a positive one. Ecuador actually has a ban on GMOs. How widely that's enforced, I don't know. But, um, but there is, on the books, there is laws against the cultivation of GMOs. You are not allowed to uh, cultivate GMOs. I think you're not even allowed to import them. Now, of course, they are in different products. You know, if you buy a bag of potato chips, I'm sure you know, Lay's potato chips, I'm sure you're buying some GMO stuff. So I, there seems to be some gray area there, but there are laws on the books against GMOs here. My understanding is it's in the constitution that Ecuador is not allowed to grow GMOs. Um, there was a clause that was added, you heard of that, that for experimental uses, they would allow for experimental crops, but most people are not growing GMO food at all, GMO crops. Um, for import though, I do believe they do import GMO products and they have to be labeled, contiene transgenico. Oh, is that, that? Yeah, I have. Is that, I didn't know that's it what actually, they were referring to. It's on to, the yeah. label. It has GMO in it. Right. Very few products have that. I've seen, um, yeah, like you said, maybe some chips that have like soy oil or something like that in them. And uh, yeah, very few things have uh, GMO. Super Maxi, <laughs> the major grocery store in the country, they do have non-GMO brand uh, chips and snacks and stuff like that. So if you if you need your snack fix, there are options for you. The good news about Vilcabamba specifically is they have an organic market mm -hmm. and they pride themselves on you know, having non-GMO and organic produce, uh, fruits for, for you to consume. And it's growing in popularity. Uh, the local um, farmers and growers are seeing that they can make more money because they charge more. And so it's growing in a trend here versus, you know, I guess in other parts of the world, uh, you know, organic farmers are getting snuffed out by by the big boys, and yeah, it's not really the case here. So that's good news. And you're seeing those trends take hold. Like when I got here, there was no organic stuff in Supermaxi. Mm. Now there's like organic sections. They're Section. not big. Um, there's it's right. still early kind of in that process, but people are have become a lot more health conscious, Ecuadorians of course I'm talking about, yeah. um, in, the, in the eight years that I've been here. 
Um, so that trend is clearly happening. And, you know, Ryan mentioned they charge a little bit more. And, yeah, that I guess that might be true, at least in some places. But I will say, like, back home, you know, it's like you can go to a, a regular supermarket, let's say a low-end supermarket in a sort of poor neighborhood, and get food that is just so cheap, you know, it's 79 cents or whatever. And then you go to like an organic store and you pay out the nose for your yeah. organic stuff. That's not the case here at all. Like, like here, your organic food at many cases is not at a premium. Like it is in super maxi for sure. Um, but like your 25 cent head of um, acelga, what is that in English? Um, Chard. Chard. Swiss chard yeah. is, uh, is 25 cents, you know, whether it's organic or not. Now maybe... Maybe in Vilcabamba, I don't know. But in general, like, your differences, it's very easy. My point is it's very easy to eat organic here and not be, you know, budget yeah. Uh, yeah. unhappy. I mean, it's usually <laughs> 25, 50 cents more per item. Except, yeah, avocados can be a little bit more expensive, maybe 50 cents, 75 cents more. I mean, the thing down here, like you mentioned avocados, there are many crops that don't actually require any pesticides, That's like true. especially in Vilcabamba, it's a valley, it's not a lot flat, so there's no like massive, you know, industrial agriculture of anything really. Yeah. Um, so avocados, bananas, you know, yucca, it's always going to be all organic, your citrus, but, pretty yeah. much, pretty much all your fruit, most of your fruit, yeah. not like berries maybe, but yeah, most of your fruit, they don't spray. That's a great point. Good. Cool. All right, um, this is a good one actually. So, alternative like health cures, like medicine, right? Like in the states, you've got the FDA, um, which, if you've ever, I have friends who have been in the supplement business and they've been creating various cures for things. And the FDA is a very heavily regulated um, industry. The FDA is very heavy-handed. If you make any claims at all, you know, you can get in serious trouble. Um, in Ecuador, the alternative health industry to date is not regulated, to my knowledge. There's no, there's no regulation. So you can, if Carl wanted to open up a shop and heal with magic, you know, crystals from, you know, from <laughs> God and, uh, and, you know, plants and whatever he wanted, he can do that. Um, so, so obviously that's a ridiculous example, but my point is that all of those industries, people are free to practice them, um, and they're you know you're not dealing with the FDA and that sort of heavy-handed oversight. Yeah, there's, they have something I just heard about a court case recently. Um, everything that's pharmaceutical is highly regulated. Everything that's considered ancestral medicine, which is herbal medicine, is unregulated. So anybody on the street can sell uh, an alternative or uh, ancestral medicine without you know permits, without having you know. Any any type of regulations. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and Vilcabamba is known for natural medicine, uh, healers, different people who have various uh, medical uh, techniques, modalities, all these things. It's a melting pot for these type types of people to move to, and people who are looking to heal their bodies are moving to the Valley of Longevity, Vilcabamba, uh, because these people have moved there and providing their services. Uh, there are a good amount of world-renowned uh, people who come to Vilcabamba and do retreats and you know people who follow them will come down and and do a, a week or two of whatever it is that they're uh, trying to heal their body for and all that good stuff so it's definitely an area in the world that prides itself in natural modalities and healing and there's everything about it. it's clean and 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we don't have to go too deep into this, but Vilcabamba was called the Valley of Longevity. If you didn't know that, you can look, there's a lot of information online. People used to live like 100, 120 years old was not uncommon. And so it does attract a lot of people that want to be healthy, that are looking for this healthy lifestyle because the Valley of Longevity. Yeah, so one of the main conspiracies, if you move to Vilcabamba, you immediately uh, lose about 20 years in the face. So, <laughs> I mean, true or not, I mean, that's what people are saying. You got to come to check it out. As soon as you step foot in Vilcabamba, you lose that 20 years. Um, you know, jokes aside, I've seen a lot of clients over the years who have come looking not so great. And I see them three months later, they look a little better. Six months... And I see them a year later, they've lost 20 or 30 or 40 pounds. They tell me they're off a bunch of medications. They, you know, they're telling me their yeah. doctor, their tests are coming back a million times better. Um, I can mention this because he mentioned it in an interview we did on the channel a couple of weeks ago, but Joe Schramm, who I, who I did an interview with, you know, when I met him, you know, he was quite a bit heavier. His skin was very pale. He was on all kinds of medications. And he reported in the interview that I did on the channel, you know, and obviously the weight you can see, he's lost, you know, a ton of weight, but his skin looks great. And he reported that, you know, he's off all his medications. His doctors can't believe how his turnaround, and it is kind of a common story uh, um, here. And, um, you know, one other thing I'll mention, I'll add to what Ryan said, and I'll just give this example. I don't think you'll mind, Ryan. So Ryan's wife is a physical therapist, and she also does, like, cranial sacral work and different work like that. And it's, it's absolutely incredible if you ever get a chance to come down and, and have a session with her. But she's one of probably 50 or 80 or 100 people or something in Vilcabamba that offer, like Ryan said, their modality. Um, and many of them are world class. I mean, I mean, Ryan's wife, I consider like, I, it's incredible what she does. And I come out of there, the sessions I've had with her, I come out of there, you know, walking on clouds. It's just incredible. And that's true of a lot of people in Vilcabamba. There's a lot of world class healers. And then again, because the industry is not regulated, the government's not involved, there's no insurance companies, there's no uh, any of that stuff, prices are very low. So, you know, your typical session with a healer of whatever modality in, in Vilcabamba, it's basically going to be between like 20 and $50, depending on who they are and what they charge. Um, you know, there's guys, there's different healers that have packages, you know, maybe it's seven sessions and maybe the prices, I mean, it's very inexpensive and very available and there's some really incredible options there. Okay, next, this is a fun one. Um, and this is one I have like no personal, I have like nothing to say about this, but aliens and UFOs, it's really UFOs. Oh no, actually, well, Carl has a personal experience. I don't know if you want to share that or not. I think if not, we have no. to put the video in there. I might sneak it in there. That's what I mean in the description. I might sneak it in there, but let's talk about aliens, UFOs for a second, because um, this is not, doesn't really relate to Ecuador actually in any real way, but Vilcabamba itself, has an extraordinarily high number of reported sightings. Um, I don't have any experience with this personally. I think Carl does. Actually, I think Ryan does too. Um, so I'll be quiet here for, in a second and let them talk. But the only the only thing I want to mention about it is that the people who are seeing strange activity in Vilcabamba, sometimes related to Mondongo, the famous mountain um, that overlooks Vilcabamba and other things, are not kooks. These are not crazy people sitting around, you know, like this you know these are normal people they're often very they're often ecuadorians they're they're very reluctant sometimes to talk about these things but there is an abnormally high number of reported sightings things like that so take it away guys sure 
Uh, so basically, I've, I've never seen an alien in my life. Uh, I think the topic of unidentified flying objects is pretty broad, but the UFO thing's always tied to aliens, and I, I don't think that's really should be the case any longer because there are a ton of things going on in the sky right now that people cannot explain. And you know what, you're gonna call that Starlink, you're gonna call it, you know, whatever you want, a satellite of some kind if you just wanna downgrade it. But they're making these satellites then uh, pretty fast and very bright. And so the things that I've seen in the sky are overly bright, midday, uh, just standing still and I keep watching it and in a split second it's completely gone. And you're like, all right, well, I guess that was a star. But stars don't typically uh, go that bright and then just dim out. So that was strange. I've seen things in the nighttime too that are super bright. I don't know how they power those lights so bright on the satellites and why they would invest all the money into bright lights to light them up for no good reason because they don't need the light to do what they're doing. So anyways, I can't explain it. Those are a little bit of the instances I've seen here, but I've also seen that in the States. So I, it's not really just here, but I do observe the sky a lot because I, I love looking up. A lot of people just look down. That cement's not so pretty. Look up, guys. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there are um, definitely, even the local people have mentioned different sightings of UFOs and all sorts of different beings. I mean, if you start talking to like the old school campesinos, like they'll tell you about dwarves. They'll tell you about different types of, you know, gnomes and, and fairies and cougars with like a diamond shining on their foreheads at night. Have you heard about that? No. Some, no, some this is great. <laughs> you don't have to tell us now, but we'll have a nice combo after. Let's, let's, no, let's no, fun. dive in, man. Keep going. I mean, it's... Yeah, so, and I, as Jesse mentioned, I had a personal experience as I want to preface, I don't know what it was, who it was, whether it was an alien or anything, but me and my girlfriend at the time, 10 years ago, we were coming back at night and we saw these, these beings, you know, they were like bluish in color, kind of, you know, fluorescent as you, or pl plasmic maybe. Um, and yeah, we, we saw them, like we saw some, some, a group of beings and it was an interesting experience at the time. It definitely, um, Definitely was, you know. Did you have your tinfoil hat on in that moment? Did not have you a hat You didn't on. have it. That was the problem. <laughs> wow, the problem. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, and, so, you know, oh, sorry. No, continue. No, no that, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, it impacted us, you know, pretty strongly. We, we thought we saw aliens. As I said, I, I can't tell you what, what they were, but, um, was, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of friends, Ecuadorians and foreigners, tell me they've seen some very unusual activity above Mondongo, lights, ships, things going in and out of the mountain. Again, I've never seen any of this stuff personally, but enough people have told me this who I know are just the most sincere, honest, normal people you'll ever meet to not discount it. You know, I, I believe what they're telling me. Um, and then there was one... While you think of that real quick, sure. I, there's, I've seen some stuff on Mondango too. That's one thing I didn't say. Um, and it was like right when I first moved here, and you guys have seen maybe my vlog. Uh, if not, check it out, check the series out. Uh, there's a, a shot from my front yard where you can see Mondango, and the trail actually zigzags up the side of the mountain there. And so I always saw these lights, and they would flicker for a bit, and then they'd go away, and flicker for a bit, and go away. And I was like, what in the world is happening? And I'd get you know, my wife involved, and we'd be looking, 
and it dawned on us the trail zigzags so these guys were going up with headlamps and so they'd come the trail towards us and we'd see their headlamp and it'd be flickering through like a bush or something and we could see it not see it and then we wouldn't see it for a while because they were going the opposite direction and they would turn towards us we finally figured that out so we didn't indeed we didn't see anything but we thought we were seeing some weird stuff yeah there's one the only personal experience i have with this stuff and it's not even super personal but i had a friend who's actually moved to brazil since um and and he's you know a very spiritual guy and you know he was that that kind of guy for sure but you know he lived up in uh in yasanga which is a neighborhood in vilcabamba that's up high and then he looked directly at these beautiful views and he looked directly at this mountain in front of him and he's telling me this story one day um there's actually a guy, by the way, who finished second on the Amazing Race <laughs> in in that like show that they have in in uh, in the states. But anyhow, um, so he's telling me one day that he's sitting on his porch or he's up at his house or whatever, and he sees this Indian or like native native or whatever this indigenous face uh, comes out of the mountain, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, dude, you know, and and then he's like. I have a photo of it. Like next time I see you, you know, I'll 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 bring it and I'll show you. I'm like, cool, you know. <laughs> like I didn't think anything of it. Next time I see him, he shows me the photograph. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like like literally, it looked like. And I've looked at the mountain a million times, like we all have. It's a prominent mountain on the like the Loja side of Vilcabamba, and this indigenous-looking face had like taken form in this mountain and he had a photograph of it and there it was and i looked at him differently after that <laughs> oh you were serious <laughs> um so anyhow anything else on that uh good no well the local people have a bunch of stories honestly if you start talking to them yeah. uh these beings that we saw <clears throat> other local people have said they saw the same thing in that general area as well so you know we thought we're not crazy and taxi drivers have a lot of stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, anyhow. It's definitely interesting. Um, okay, let's talk about gun ownership, right? So there's a conspiracy out there. It's a conspiracy theory idea that um, gun confiscation is in the agenda globally in the U.S., wherever. Um, and if you prescribe to that, Ecuador probably confirms. Um, you know, it's it's a country that used to have very free and open gun ownership. I think pretty much everyone had guns. Um, it was pretty common. And then it got very strict um, to date. You can own guns, you can buy guns, you can register them, but it's a very strict process. You have to give a blood sample and you have to buy the gun, uh, not through the government exactly, but it's like the government's involved in every every aspect of it including the ammunition of course there's a legal you know you can always buy like black market firearms but as far as as far as the conspiracy as far as like that idea it's definitely not a gun culture here um, people do own guns but it's not you know probably compared to the states it's probably three percent of the of the gun ownership um, and it is they have made it difficult to purchase and purchase both guns and ammunition and import them etc is not is not easy to do here my understanding is you can get a gun legally. You get a, a license for it, a little card, matricula. And um, that means the gun is assigned to you and your address. So you cannot transport the gun outside of your home, except if you get a permit from the government to transport it somewhere else. And this, the caveat is you're not really allowed to use it. So you're allowed to own it, but you can't actually shoot anybody. Because <laughs> that's a crime, right? So <clears throat> you can have a gun for self-defense protection in your home. 
but if you sh if you do actually uh, fire someone, you could get in trouble for that. The police uh, say here that if that were to happen, if someone were to come in and and uh, and burglarize you and come in with uh, with firearms and they're gonna they're threatening you, your family, and you in self defense shoot and kill that person. The police have told the foreigners here, and probably even the locals too, uh, do not report that to us. We don't want to know. Take care of it yourself. So, because uh, if you if you do report it, then you will go uh, to jail for a very long time and be put away. Because it doesn't matter if it's self-defense, which is odd. Uh, we're used to in the United States, Canada. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're gonna have some some rights to. Get away, yeah, yeah. self-defense. Get away with with not not getting in trouble for someone trying to come and kill you, uh, and you're just defending yourself. But here it's not the case, so yeah, take note. And yeah, I mean, if we're gonna get into that stuff just for two seconds, it's like that's true on a lot of different things here. It's it's like they almost don't treat fault the same way they do back home. It's almost like if there was a loss of life or an injury, it doesn't matter like whose fault it was. I'm thinking, for example, of traffic accidents. It's mm -hmm. like if, if, if somebody runs out into the street drunk and, and you are going the speed limit and you're totally complying with everything and you hit them and run them over, you're still gonna be penalized for that even though you've done nothing wrong. Um, you're gonna get arrested that day, you're gonna have to deal with legal legalities, you're gonna have to compensate the family probably you could even go to jail longer if you if you can't compensate the family for example if you don't have the means um and so that sort of carries over to what ryan's talking about if people get hurt injured or killed it's like someone has to be held accountable even if the circumstances dictate that they absolutely shouldn't so it's like a strange i don't like that it's a you know it's not one of my favorite favorite downside for sure yeah. but an upside is that statistically, this country does not have uh, traffic-related injuries on as like a country as much as like you know the states, for example, mm -hmm. where people are getting into wrecks and dying all the time. And here, you know, they drive recklessly and just get away with it. Like they're for sure our guardian angels around all the drivers <laughs> in this country with. Uh, you know how windy the roads are and, and people passing on corners and stuff. It's, it's miraculous that there aren't more accidents. So that's a plus side. Things just don't happen here. Usually, you know, especially in Vokabama, not a lot of places to go and drive that are high, high danger. So. All right, let's talk about the current situation in the world um, with the bug that's going around. I'm going to uh, not, I'm gonna use coded language here because YouTube censors on, on this topic. So there's a bug going around the world, obviously currently in 2020 into 2021. Um, and there's a related jab that people would like you, that powers that be would like you to get, medical, whatever would like you to get. Um, so how does that relate to Ecuador? Um, oh, and then there's passports related to that, right? Like jab passports um, uh, as well. So, you know, I, I don't know, it's kind of an uncomfortable topic for me. I guess, um, you know, Ecuador, Ecuador is probably like the rest of the world in the sense that they believe that this is taking place. Um, they, they are getting vaccinations, although, oops, I used the word. Um, they are getting the jab, um, but they're way behind. So it's, uh, people are actually, there's a lot of people who are upset because they don't have access to the jab currently. 
Um, they have made no noise whatsoever about it being mandatory. In fact, they've made noise, uh, they've said the opposite. Um, so it does not look like that's gonna be a mandatory thing. Um, they haven't said anything about the passport piece either. You know, I don't know, that may end up being a global thing, who knows, but uh, I don't know, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, some people are concerned about uh, that uh, jab being forced upon you. Uh, so people are asking us what we think about if the government would be able to implement a uh, force measure on, on a foreigner. And my answer is no, I don't think that they would be able to. It's a very unorganized government. And so if from the top down, they started to say, okay, everybody mandatory, whoever is here in this country, you have to get the jab, you know? So for, for safety and we, we're gonna, you know, it's, it's part of your, your duty in life to do it. And uh, if you disagree with that, I think that you'd be able to get away with not being caught up in that implementation because they're so disorganized that once they finally make it to Vilcabamba, like you could, just not show up for it and there are going to be so many different ways to get around it in this country um, from just I mean it'll go like what do you say like we'll just barter you know if they don't let you into a grocery store because you don't you can't prove that you've had the the jab or the bank or whatever it is I'm sure that there'll be uh, some way around that which I, I won't get into but it, that seems like there's a lot of creativity here for getting around these types of things. And so there's a group, there's a group of mostly foreigners, but also local people, uh, including doctors, local doctors that are, have a little bit of a movement trying to get their, you know, trying to figure out how to not get vaccinated if that's their goal. And, um, <clears throat> one of the thing is, uh, I think they have this paper that explains like in details what you have to say to like a healthcare worker that is trying to vaccinate you. And, there's, I think it's against the constitution in Ecuador and also because of some of the ingredients in the vaccine, someone could uh, say that they're allergic to this or they have a, you know, intolerance to some of the ingredients and there would be no way that, uh, that they could force vaccinate people. That's my understanding. And again, they've made no announcements or no, nothing has come out at all that that's even a goal. Um, so we're just talking hypothetically in the future. And I think Ryan, you made a great point. Um, in Ecuador, there's always a way to get around everything, which is something I appreciate about the country and would certainly be true in this case if some, some scenario like that would unfold. Um, okay, let's talk about 5G. So this sort of relates potentially, depending on how you look at this, but um, so 5G, again, it's going global. I don't think there's any country that's gonna, you know, maybe I don't know something I don't know, but any country that's gonna ban it or outlaw it, or, you know, it's just sort of the next step here technologically. Um, in Ecuador, it's certainly very slow. Um, they've rolled it out in a few places in Guayaquil. I'm not aware of any other places that it's been, it's been rolled out. Again, if you're conspiracy-minded, Guayaquil was definitely the hardest hit um, with, the, with the bug that's gone around here. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I don't think the government has really come out either way. Um, and we'll see, you know, see what happens. There's a, a large group of people in Vilcabamba that have come together to, uh, you know, fight against 5G coming to Vilcabamba. So they've, they've got, you know, attorneys, they're taking their stand, um, to the legislature to be, I don't know, somehow written that Vilcabamba just does not get included in the 5G rollout uh, plan from 
you know, the president. And so, yeah, we'll see. See how it plays out. Yeah, my understanding is that um, the mayor of Vilcabamba, the current mayor, is against it. He was, I guess, convinced by the foreigners that uh, there was some, you know, damages, damaging effects from, from 5G. Uh, but that could always change. You know, there'll be a new mayor at some point. <clears throat> and um, there's a some people that have gone around to different internet providers in Vilcabamba that also have uh, convinced them. I know one of the main internet provider is has said, you know, publicly that he will never uh, convert to 5G, that he won't he won't be installing 5G. So I don't know if they're all on board with that, but uh, there's definitely a movement, a, a large group of people in, especially in the Vilcabamba area that are against it. So um, we'll see what, it, what unfolds, but I don't, I do not think that it will be in the rural areas. If it does get installed at some point, it will most likely be in the, you know, downtown Vilcabamba. So if you live in the outskirts, most likely 5G is not going to go all the way there. That would be huge uh, investment in infrastructure and stuff. Um, okay. Let's talk about Agenda 21 or Agenda, I think they're calling it Agenda 2030 or something now. It's got to be pushed back. Right? Uh, it got pushed back, got right? Pushed back. <laughs> um, so basically, it's, I mean, I can't get into all of it now and I don't even know all of it, but basically it's, it's this idea that the government wants people living in close quarters in cities and monitored. So you're, you know, you're, um, energy intake for example um and everything is sort of controlled and monitored and people are in cities and not in rural areas and i don't know what, what would you guys add to that before i as far as like what it is before before we get into ecuador on it anything i always just thought of it yeah as moving people into the cities into the city yeah so i i, I hate to say this but i do think there is a push here for that um so rural areas in ecuador traditionally were completely unregulated um, like no, you didn't need any permission to build. I mean, that's true actually even in the cities, but it all got rolled out first in the cities. You didn't need any permission to build. You, subdividing was very easy, um, et cetera, et cetera. And now um, sort of little by little, places have started to regulate those things. They've started to put environmental laws that restrict what you can do on your property, how many houses you can build, you know, how many lots you can subdivide into, uh, the, the, the forests now, this is not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, the forests now are completely protected. So, you know, basically anywhere that's old growth, like native forests, you can't touch at all in Ecuador. Again, good or bad, I'm not, you know, I, you know, it's, there's a lot of merit to that, of course. Um, but, you know, but I do see sort of a push to make life a little bit less flexible <laughs> um, in some of the rural areas. And, um, and some of them have resisted that for sure. So there's still a lot of areas in Ecuador that are totally sort of the Wild West that way. Um, but others I've noticed, even in just the short time I've been here, the eight years I've been here, have become more restrictive. Um, so I get, I don't know, is there, I'm getting down here guys to this er is there anything you guys want to pull out of this? It's, I feel like we kind of covered most of the main ones in here, there that jumps out to you, these five or whatever. Not really. Okay. I think we've covered the main conspiracies of the world. Uh, I'll just add one just for fun. If you've made it this far, you're probably enjoying a little bit of this content. <laughs> but I think Jesse, you had mentioned something or Carl about the the globe in the beginning, something about the globe. I, I almost made the comment then. I'm like, globe, 
are you talking about? It's, this earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get into it. A lot of people uh, have their opinion on that, which uh, you can you can get into some fun conversations in Vilcabamba about whether the earth is flat or round. We last year had a debate that happened between two people who are, right? are yeah. well known debate, for yeah. their positions and uh, they had a toe-to-toe -to -toe debate and uh, it was a little controversial actually if I remember oh, correctly know because that. you know it's heated <laughs> you have that opinion and it's strong apparently you uh, you get fired up on your side and, and uh, theory of thinking so I, I thought I would add that just for fun yeah, I mean, there is, um, that's hilarious that you went there, by the way. Um, <laughs> Ryan was the one that wanted us to, like, tone this down, and he went flat earth. Like, I don't know how that happened. Oh, hey, guys, do me a favor. Um, please comment, if you will. You know, tell us what you believe in. Tell us if we're crazy nutter, tinfoil hatters. You know, give us some comments, please. Did we forget one? Did um, we forget the main ones? Yeah, tell us what we forgot. What we forget? Um, for sure. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. You know, one other thing... Um, there is something probably worth talking about just briefly. So there's a there's sort of an idea out there that China could take over the world. I don't think this is a conspiracy theory. I think China would love to take over the world. I don't think they would even deny it, right? So th this sort of idea that China could become the leading sort of economic and military power in the world, um, and then how that would relate to places like Africa and South America and Central America and you know other places like that. China does have a lot of influence here. Um, there's an interesting sort of... Um, I don't know, there's an interesting sort of piece there. So China, what China's strategy is, is they actually give loans, usually they're fairly high interest. Um, they give loans and they back them with natural resources. Um, and their, their philosophy, and they've stated this, this is not a conspiracy. Their philosophy, I've actually like read articles with public statements by high-ranking Chinese officials saying, we know that in fact, and this article is about Ecuador, this was from the New York Times, this is about a seven, eight year old article, but I remember this New York Times article where they're quoting a, a Ecuador trade minister, I mean, a Chinese trade minister, whoever it was, and he's saying, well, we know Ecuador may not be able to pay back these loans, but that's why we backed it with oil. <laughs> and he was saying it very clearly, like, we're not really expecting to get all this money back, but we, you know, we've got the natural resources just in case. Now, interestingly enough, just before Trump left office, and I don't want to get into that debate, but just before Trump left office, the U.S. gave some loans to Ecuador with the specific parameters of the loan being that they use these very low interest U.S. loans to pay back high interest Chinese loans. Um, so there is a little bit of a sort of maybe battle going on there. I don't know how that'll play out now with the current administration in the U.S. I have no idea. Um, but China certainly is trying to exert their influence here. You don't see it much. You know, there's not, it's yeah, not something you it. feel or see yeah. at all, but... Um, but it, you know, it's, it exists, I guess. There are definitely more and more Chinese cars. Like, you That's see them true. everywhere. Like That's they true. didn't used to be, no, I don't think right. very many, but you see all these logos that you've never seen before. You can assume they're Chinese. Yep. And most people will drive Chinese motorcycles here. <laughs> On a side note, like yep. other China, I think China and Ecuador has really good trade deals. So the import taxes for Chinese goods are way lower than importing other things from other places. So things that are come that come from China are a lot low in price, which is what most Ecuadorians can afford. Uh, but they make pretty good motorcycles, actually. So again, guys, like, <laughs> comment, share, subscribe. Um, again, if this stuff is not your ball of wax, it's okay. Leave it alone. Again, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't, you know, we we might whatever our personal views are, they are. They're not, you know, this is not all stuff we prescribe to necessarily. Um, and again. 
do some people here believe in some of this stuff? Yes. Does everybody? Absolutely not. Um, you know, there's lots of straight edge, completely normal Americans or Europeans or whoever who think that people who believe this are totally crazy. Um, so, you know, don't worry if you're coming here like, oh, everybody's gonna be, you know, tinfoil hatters. It's not the case. Um, there is, but there is a strong, there also is a strong group of people as well who, again, hold these sort of alternative views. And, you know, we just think, this is a, we do get clients who are looking at these sorts of things as reasons for why they would like to leave where they are or consider Ecuador, etc. So we wanted to give you, you know, our thoughts on, on the subject. Don't hold it against us. Don't beat us up, um, but give us a comment and a like. <laughs> there it is. That's it. All right. Episode, well, go ahead. Episode, well, I don't know. I don't even know what it is. I don't either. I think we're in season, season one, one episode, episode seven. seven. Thanks for joining us as always. We appreciate it, guys. Have a lovely day. We'll see you next time. See ya. All right, where's our uh, tinfoil hat? <laughs> <laughs>